1: What kind of relationship will define us in all eternity? God will be our Father God, and we will be His children.
0: Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxentenka will be here in just a moment with today's message. You know, here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, please call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673 someone is here now to take your prayer request and thank you so much for listening today here on reaching your heart we will conclude the message pastor michael oxen tanko entitles father god Now, we hope you enjoyed the first portion, but remember, you can always go to reachingyourheart.com. If you miss any portion of this message and listen to the entire message uninterrupted. Again, that's reachingyourheart.com. Let's get underway with the second portion of this message, and here is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenco.
1: And so on the bosom of his father... He imprinted, He grew in the security of His Father. Christ came from the bosom of the Father, whatever that is. He came from love to us. There was no lack of it. It was full and finished for Him. It was there. Jesus came from God the Father, the place of His love, to reveal the love of the unseen God. And he revealed it first in the Gospel of John by declaring that God the Father loves God the Son. It doesn't start with God loving us. It starts with God loving His Son. John 5, 35, the Father loves the Son. Before there was a world, there was the Son. The Father loves the Son, has given all things into His hand. John five twenty for the Father loves the Son and shows Him all things that He Himself does. And He will show Him greater works than these that you may marvel the Father's love for Jesus, friend, is deeper because in Jesus, God knew that Christ was willing to die for us. And so his love for Jesus has deepened because of their common commitment to save us. Thus, God loves Jesus more than he did before. The Father's love has deepened in his love for his Son because of the cross of Christ. John 10, 17 Therefore, my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. In the Gospel of John, if we love Jesus and we love His words enough to keep them, then all the benefits of God's love for Jesus, and that's huge, that's infinite love, that's love that precedes time, all the benefits of His love for Jesus come through Jesus to us. You hear me? Comes through Jesus to us. God loved us in the gift of His Son. In the gift of His Son, God's love is given freely to save the world. I meet people who are so intellectual that they don't sometimes get the obvious facts of Scripture. Human pride would like to teach us that God's love can be administered outside of Jesus. You may have heard this. Well, why would God need Jesus to love us? Have you hear that? What does that say about him that he would need Jesus to love us? Well, friend, I got news for you. God loved Jesus before you ever showed up. And so God chooses to love you in Jesus. That's his choice and prerogative. The miracle is that we're loved, right? But only in Christ. Jesus is the only way to the heart of God. Jesus is the revelation in Scripture of the heart of God. Jesus is the love of God poured out for us. Isaiah the prophet said this in the fourth servant song that there'd be something poured out, sprinkled for us. Wisdom was poured out in Proverbs 8 from the foundation of the world. God, when he sent Christ to create this world, he was on a journey to save us from our sins way down the timeline because the love of God in Christ was coming for us. Jesus is the focus, friend, of all the gifts of God, including his ancient love. If you go way back into eternity and you want that love, you find it in Jesus. Jesus, friend, is the greatest gift that God can give because God is love, and God must give to save the world, or God is not love. God will not love you outside of his love for Jesus. And so instead of having a smart aleck question like that to God, it'd be better to say, thank you, God, for Jesus. Thank you for loving me in Jesus. John 3.16, let's open our Bibles and turn to this verse, and we'll look at verse 17 as well. The Bible says, For God so loved the world, cosmos, the created order, that He gave His only begotten Son. And then it gets personal that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have what? How many of you want to live forever? I mean, Jesus is our ticket into eternity. It's that plain and simple. God gave Christ so you can live forever. He could save this world and make it a future place of happiness. And verse 17 is equally profound, but before we look at it, let's just dwell on this. The gift of Jesus, when you look at this verse, is proof that God can love the world. You say, well, why would that need to be demonstrated? Well, it was not apparent in the ancient times of eternity when Satan challenged God at the beginning of the great controversy. There was one thing he could use in God's nature that would seem to scandalize God. It was the idea that somehow if you have all the power, you have all the knowledge, and you have all of the prerogatives, how on earth or out of this earth can you really give anything without drawing from your great well of everything and it mean anything? You see, for us to live in a moral universe, we have to give. That is the nature of love. Love is giving. But if you can't really give because you have it all, then it looks like you're a fraud. And he pointed his finger at God and he says, God, you are a fraud. Your son is a fraud. By the very fact that you possess infinite power, you cannot give. You cannot love. God emptied the treasury of heaven. His own heartfelt gift of Jesus at the cross, the great revelation of the mystery of God was suddenly unfolded for the entire universe to see. The God who has everything, the God who has all power, all knowledge, went deep into the treasury of his heart and there was Christ in the bosom of the Father. And he emptied God within him. He emptied himself of his own son. He gave Jesus. He lost his son to save the world. At that point, according to the book of Revelation, Lucifer had no right to go back into the courts of heaven and accuse us before God because he was unmasked as a murderer and a liar, and it was revealed that God is love. Verse 17, a beautiful verse that comes out of John 3.16. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I don't know about you. There have been times in my life when I've been walking with the Lord where I have felt self-condemned. You ever felt self-condemned? Shame because you messed up? Well, friend, latch yourself to this verse. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. He did not come here to condemn us, to make us feel worse, to have more shame. John 14, 21 He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. Now here Jesus is talking about what happens when we respond to God. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. Just as God's love has deepened for Jesus, because Jesus has gone to the cross, God's love deepens for us when we choose to obey Christ and follow him. He becomes more in love with his people. He deepens his love for us. And Christ says, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Paul says in Romans 5 eight that God demonstrated his love for us at the cross before we knew what to do. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So God doesn't love us simply because we love him. He loves us because God is love. His love deepens for us as we make the right moral choices. But his love came to us before we knew how to love So in receiving Jesus and in cherishing Jesus, we open up the door of the heart to allow God in his fullness to reveal to us in a personal way the greater depths of his love. Our right to know God forever, friend, is found in Jesus. And what do we do with Jesus? We'll determine where we go forever. John 14, 23. Jesus answered and said to them, If anyone loves me, he will keep my... What does the text say? My word. He'll value the word of God You'll value my teachings. That's how you show Christ that you love him. He goes on to say, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Jesus' promise here is fulfilled in Revelation 21, 7, when the holy city comes down at the end of the millennium. When God says, I will be God and they will be for me a son. In other words, I will be Father God for them. And so I ask the question, what do we do between now and then? What do we do between now and where we're living in hard days, and the final day when God makes that confession at the end of the millennium. We live between now and then, don't we? So how does God treat us every day in our todays until the day when he comes to us at the end of time, the end of days? What about right now? How does God relate to us? Turn to John sixteen twenty six. Jesus said, In that day, meaning the days after he has ascended, in that day you will ask in my name, And I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you. Now, Christ is our great advocate and high priest. He does, in fact, pray to the Father. He's trying to say, there's something I don't need to pray for. There's something that is a rock-solid truth that is embedded in the character of our Father God. Verse 27, for the Father himself, what does it say in your Bible? For the Father himself, what? Loves you because you have loved me And have believed that I came forth from God. So you don't have to have me plead with God to be your father. You love me. God loves you. Friend, it's no accident that the Apostle Paul affirmed this most important truth so often in his epistles. So we can know that our Father God is our friend in Jesus. In Pauline Christianity... Our Father becomes a name designation for God the Father at the beginning of His epistles. Now, I really debated if I should do this, and I'm going to. I'm going to read to you the examples from the New Testament so you can know that I'm not just saying this. Romans 1-7, he starts his epistle. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from what? God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1 3, again, the introduction of another letter. Grace to you. That means kindness. Kindness to you and peace from God. How does it read? God our Father in the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 1, 2 to 3. Grace to you, and peace from God our Father. And you go down, it says the Father of mercies in verse 3, and the God of all comfort. Ephesians 1, 2 to 4. Grace to you, kindness. Now look. Paul starts his epistles by saying, kindness comes from God our Father to you. Kindness to you. How many times do we relate to God and we feel like He's just a judge trying to get us? That is not the truth. Grace and peace. Look again, Ephesians 1, verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to look at 3, 4 and the verse that follows. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as He chose us in Him. You see, when God chose Jesus way before the dawn of time, He was choosing you, Paul says, before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Philippians 1 verse 2, Grace to you and peace. How does it read? From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 4.20. Now to what? To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Colossians 1 verse 2. To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossia. Grace to you and peace from. What does the text say? God our Father and the Lord Jesus. First Thessalonians 1 two to three we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father. First Thessalonians 3:12 to 13 May the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do. In other words, how do we get the love in the church here's how. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We can read a verse so fast, we fail to understand what it's saying. In that verse, it says Jesus is coming, right? But Jesus is not the only one who's coming. Our Father God is coming with Jesus Christ at the second coming. Remember the parable of the prodigal son? The Father came out to get the son. He didn't stay in his house. He went and he ran after the boy and then hugged him and brought him to his home. Our Father God is coming with his son Jesus at the end of the age. Second Thessalonians 1 verse 1, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father goes on to say grace to you and peace from God our father second Thessalonians 2 16 now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace comfort your hearts establish you in every good work and word first Timothy 1 verse 2 to Timothy a true son in the faith grace mercy and peace from what does the text say God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. In our last verse, Philippians 1-3, to demonstrate this point, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So why did Jesus say we should pray, our Father who art in heaven? Because that is God's new name in the gospel. God is our Father God. We are to know Him this way. The book of Romans is the great masterful treatise on righteousness by faith. It is the science of salvation shared by Christ through Paul so that we can know how we are saved. And many people have noticed that the book of Romans focuses more on God than Jesus. It talks about the gospel of Jesus, but it focuses on the gospel of God as primary. God is used more in Romans than any of the Paulina letters. At the heart of Romans, in the exact linguistic center of the book, the freedom of the gospel is affirmed at the exact center of the book where we discover that the gospel of God leads us to know God as a personal Father God. Romans 8.15, here is the center of the book. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, and what does the text say? Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Abba Father means Daddy Father. Father God, Daddy God. The Gospel of God, our Father, Abba Daddy. You know, I almost feel funny saying that way. How many times have we prayed to God and we say, Daddy Father? You know We want to kind of stiffen up a little bit and be more respectful. Father God. Well, Jesus said, Daddy God,
0: Daddy Father. Pastor Michael Oxentenka will be back in just a moment. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-funded program. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. Call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is eight 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 two four four hope That's 888-244-4673. Here now, once again, Pastor Michael Tenko. Through the Spirit,
1: when we are struggling in our Christian experience, it is in that cry from within we call out to God as Abba, Daddy. Abba, baba, baba. That's what a baby says after it's born. It's the primordial sounds of innocence. Abba, baba, baba, da, da, father. These are the words Jesus used in the Garden of Gethsemane as he reconsecrated his soul to die for our sins. He said, Abba, father, not my will, but yours be done. The spirit of Jesus given to us bears witness that we are children of God. And more profoundly, that God is our father God, our daddy God. I'd like to say this morning that our right to the future is not based on how good we are. I mean, you can try all you like, but you will not earn eternity by being a good person. But I'd like to say this on the other side, that your obedience to God is the only evidence that you will ever give God that you love him. Did you hear me? Your obedience to God is the only evidence that you can give God that you love Him. And thus obedience is looked at in the judgment day to see if you had faith and love work in your life. God is not looking for perfection. He's looking for evidence that you love Him. But we should never forget that God loved us in Jesus, independent of how good we will ever become. Because Christ lived a perfect life of selfless living... And He becomes our right to righteousness. But there will be evidence of obedience in every believer or they will not inherit the kingdom of God. So we must return to God our love for He loved us in Jesus as our Father God. Galatians 4, 4-6. to But when the fullness of time had come, at the end of the 70-week prophecy of Daniel 9, the end of the ages according to the Scripture in Hebrews 9, the end of the days of the prophets in Hebrews 1, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. Why? Verse 5, to redeem those who were under the law. That's us. He means to redeem those who are under the curse of the law, who are under the condemnation of the law, that we might receive... Now, here's the key phrase. What does it read? We might receive what? The adoption of sons. We weren't legitimate children. We're sinful beings. God adopts us in Jesus. Verse 6, And because you are sons... God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts. And what do we cry now? Crying out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Daddy, Father, God. It is time for them to know you as my Father God, but more profoundly, our Father. The fullness of time has come. Verse 7, Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son of a son, than an heir of God through Christ. Friend, when Jesus died on the cross... He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In the darkness of the cross, Jesus could not find his father God. He was lost to him. The darkness of the atonement, he could not find his father God. And yet he prayed to him in the darkness for all of us to know God in this way. And the light is the light and the glory of the cross. The glory of the gospel is somehow seen in the darkness of the cross. Jesus said, Father, forgive them in his prayer. They know not what they do. Not a judge, not a general, not a prime mover here, but a Father God he knows must forgive all of us. If we don't know God as Father, we will never move into eternity and be safe to save. He says, Father, forgive them. He knew God as Father, and he knew what to do in life to honor him. Christ obeyed. But in the darkness of the cross, he prayed for our darkness. That we might know God as Father God and honor him in this way. And thus the light of the darkness would pierce the tomb and would pierce the darkness of every broken heart. When Jesus died for us, friend, he chose his words well. He said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. In the darkness of the cross, Jesus would not let go of his Father God. When he was the God-forsaken God, he would not let go of his Father God. Friend, the darkness of the cross became the bosom of the Father all over again. The Bible says God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. As it was before all time, Christ went back to the bosom of the Father. On resurrection morning, time started all over again as if it was the dawn of the universe. On resurrection morning, when God called Jesus from the womb of the tomb, as the psalmist speaks of it in prophetic writing, from the bosom of the father, as John would say, to live again in a world of light, when God reached throughout the vast domain of his universe saying, where is my son? And he was nowhere to be found. He was nowhere to be found in all the universe. He was gone. But he was in one place that mattered most. He was in the bosom of his father. And the book of Hebrews says, he declared with an oath that cannot be extracted, with the power of an indestructible oath, that thou art my son, today I have begotten thee. And on that day, Jesus came forth from the tomb. Friend, when Jesus bore the sins of the world, our sins, Paul is clear. God was in Christ, plunging into the darkness to save us all. And when Jesus rose, Christ spoke to Mary at the tomb. I cherish what he said to her on resurrection morning. This is the day he became our great high priest. Here is what he said. At the tomb, she was weeping for the Christ who cared. There was an empty crypt. And she wanted to know if God cared. She had lived a life of disappointment. Jesus had given her her dignity back. Jesus had forgiven her. And she wanted more of Christ even in death. John twenty sixteen to 18 Jesus said to her, Look like the gardener, Mary. Now Mary's name in Hebrew means my bitterness. Mara Marie, my bitterness. Jesus was her joy, and she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. She recognized him. Jesus said to her, Do not cling me. In the Greek, do not keep on clinging to me. Don't hold on to me. For I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending. This is Sunday morning. Why is Christ gone for most of the day? He's telling us here. I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. I'm going up. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord. And then it says this, and that he had spoken these things to her. I mean, Christ only said a few things. I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Words of life and friendship. Words of family that really matter. My Father and your Father. My God and your God. She said, he spoke these things to me. Father God. That's what he said. Father God. Resurrection morning. Father God. Isn't it beautiful that God is in Jesus. Our Father God. God bless you.
0: Well, that will complete, Father God. Thank you so much for listening today to Reaching Your Heart. And don't forget that you can always find these messages online at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Have you ever wondered what happens five minutes after death? Do you long for the assurance of eternal life? Is there a longing in your heart for something beyond this life? Dark Tunnels and Bright Lights by Mark Finley is the message of hope that you need. This book presents the real truth about life after death, and it is more amazing than you can imagine. Call for your copy today. Here's the information you need. The telephone number is 855-888-4673. 855-888-4673. 855-888-HOPE. Or you can go to the website reachingyourheart.com. Call for your copy today. The book is yours for a donation of any size. And remember that your donations help to keep this ministry on the air. And we thank you for your support. And we hope that you'll join us again next time we get together for another edition of Reaching Your Heart.